thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them up and... uh, don't be scared when I say this, uh, but I want to invite you to go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, all right? Uh, for those of you that are familiar with your Bibles, you could be scared. Um, but we want to go there, and um, let me tell you a few, uh, a few things here, uh, just kind of updating. One, uh, we had a great vacation, everybody, so thanks for asking. Uh, it was a great time. We called it Family Revival, and so uh, it was awesome, um, although we ate a little too much, but we loved it. And uh, it was great. And I'm just so thankful uh, for Rachel and for my dad. Can you give them a big hand? They did a great job while I was gone. So wonderful. Um, I want to highlight one of the things that Pastor Nathan mentioned, um, and that is just the accreditation from ECFA, which is the Evangelical uh, Council um, for Financial Accountability. And he mentioned that uh, very briefly, but I just want to publicly uh, add my thanks to not only him, but to also our board of trustees, uh, because I think that's significant uh, as that is given to those with uh, great stewardship and great board governance. And so um, that's great uh, service on their part. And we have a great trustee board. Can you guys give Pastor Nathan and the trustees and everybody involved in that process a big hand? So beautiful. And I think that that's just significant as our church forms and gets started for things like that to take place. Also just wanted to say a great, amazing about Serve Day. Uh, Not only was there the most people that have ever served, um, but also we served more people than we ever have with uh, the the different serve sites. And so I wanna thank uh, Rachel and Chris Ward and the team that put that together. Can you give them a big hand? I know you have, but it's just so amazing. Thank you to all of you that served. I feel like that's really the heart of who uh, God's called us to be. And I know Rachel said this in her message, but I think it's awesome that um, we've actually, uh, we started serving and we had a serve day before we ever had a church. And so uh, that's really fun. And so um, this was our seventh year to do that. I think it's beautiful and uh, just was blown away by just the participation um, that we had. Also, one last thing, it's a save the date. Flourish uh, is our women's event and it's coming up on September 9th. And so if you would uh, go ahead and register, if you are uh, a lady, uh, you can register, you can go, you can register out here. It's a Saturday one day event um, at the info booth, or you can go to our website and you can just click uh, uh, Tara McIntosh's face and um, that is how you can register there, all right? So I guess that wasn't funny. I thought it was great. Um, I love Kyle and Tara. Hey, uh, we're starting this new series. You just saw uh, that, that rollout video um, called Driven by Joy. And as I was praying about how to close out this summer, um, I really felt like one of the key markings of our church, one of the things that God wants to place in us Um, And I believe that it exists. I actually had one of the trustees tell me that I feel like one of the things that Radiant carries is joy. Um, And when he said it, though, I felt like the the Holy Spirit put on my heart that we're, it's almost like we're halfway there, but we're not all the way there yet. Like, Like God's called us to have that be a pillar, a foundation, a core thing in the house. And so I've entitled this series, really out of the parable, Driven by Joy. But 
But it, and, and, and we want to be driven by lots of things. We want to be driven by prayer. We want to be driven by love. Uh, so I'm not saying only joy, but I do believe that joy is something that the church of Jesus Christ should have supernaturally mark them. And I think it's something that is um, embarrassingly absent in the Christian church in America. And so I, I, I would love for us to be a people that embody this. Now, I know that's a big statement, and I'm not saying that it happens in a moment. I know it'll be a, a part of uh, building that into our culture, but uh, I'm going to be here the rest of my life, so let's get started. You know, like, let's, like, let's get this uh, deeply embedded in us. So let me just read. I'm going to read this because we'll take this. I'd like this to be kind of our banner verse for this next series for four weeks. Um, this motivation that Jesus gives in the parable of the treasure hidden in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, say joy. joy. Then in his joy, went out and sold all he had and bought the field. So what, what drove him was joy. What, the, the, the measure, the worth of the treasure was so real, it was so abundant, it wasn't out of obligation, it was not out of a dreary, painful misery, it was out of joy that he went and sold all. And that's the song that we sang just a moment ago. Uh, I'll give my yes, it's my joy to give my life. We were driving on vacation and singing that song at the top of our lungs, and, uh, and I wanted you to learn it as us, a church for us to sing it on Sundays. My teenagers sing that song, and they taught it to us, and that's how, that's how it goes now. They teach stuff to us. And then, uh, I, but I wanna, I'd love for that, even that song and that anthem to get inside of us. So we'll take four weeks on joy, and I want to begin today with the joy of salvation. So Psalm 51 reads like this. Um, we'll read this, then we'll pray, and then we'll go after it. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Here it is. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. One more time. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Father, we love you today. And God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us be people that walk in supernatural joy. We pray that the good news of the gospel that has transformed our lives, that rescued us out of darkness and brought us into glorious light, that took us from the side of the road and put uh, us on the right path, the people that have left the broad way and joined the narrow road, the people, Lord Jesus, that have been found by the good shepherd, the ones who experience a father that embraces us rescues us, finds us in our sin and transforms us and changes us, gives us the hope of heaven. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, that the joy of our salvation would be alive inside of us. May it not fade. May it grow louder and louder as the years go by. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Christianity should be famous for joy. Christianity should have the most joyful people on the planet. Christianity should not have the boring, annoying, mean people. It should have joyful people. Christianity, over time, if there's hidden sin, if there's distance from God, if there is not fellowship with the Holy Spirit, often has religious people instead of joyful people. 
It's our calling as Jesus followers to have joy. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians, is the evidence, the fruit that we walk with the Holy Spirit is that we have joy. So joy is not something that we get to say, it doesn't fit my Enneagram profile. Joy is something that we get to say, God works supernaturally in me so that your joy is in me. Psalm 19.8 reads like this, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving, what's that word? <laughs> giving joy to the heart. Let's try it again. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Jesus prays in John 17, verse 13. So this is the high priestly prayer. Jesus praying, he says this. I'm coming to you now, speaking to the Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy. Praying for the disciples, that they may have the full measure of my joy. That's Jesus' joy within them. Acts chapter two, as it describes the early church, the NIV uses the word gladness of heart. I want you to see the new living because it gets the word joy. Either way, uh, it's this Greek word that can mean exult, glad, joy. But listen to it in the new living. They worship together. This is the people of God. This is the early church. They worship together, what we just did, at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Listen to the way that uh, Eugene Peterson says it in the paraphrase, the message. He says this, they, verse 46, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praise God. And this is what I want you to see. People in general liked what they saw. <laughs> I don't know about you or all the church experience that you have, but I'm not sure that that's always true of people around us. And if you read some of the surveys that come out in the American church about what people think of the American church, it's not always the word joyful. People in general liked what they saw. Every day, their number grew as God added those who were being saved. Romans 15, 13. Paul says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. I just like that all, just that all joy, not some joy, not all the different joys, but all joy, all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So it will take a supernatural work. It takes the power of God. It is not going to come just because all of your tasks align on your iPhone and everybody follows you and all of a sudden your bank account is full. Nope. It's this supernatural work of God in your life. Joy. All right. First Peter one says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking of Jesus. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You just saw in that video a moment ago, some baptism pictures and it's people that take a step where they show that the world may know the community of faith, I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus has saved me. Salvation is now a part of my life. I have been saved. I once was on the broad road that leads to destruction, and now I'm on the, the narrow way that leads to life. Jesus saved me. And so there's those videos and those pictures of people going down into the water, coming up, and I love the joy, smiles. I have had uh, in moments like that where uh, one guy uh, 
was so excited, he picked me up and squeezed me like I was like an Oompa Loompa. You're like, he, I just, he was so filled with joy. And I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm happy too, but put me down. You know, like, I, 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 I've had moments where people start to just cry because they're so, they're just so grateful for what Jesus has done in their life. And they're loving the moment of letting the world know Jesus saved me. Jesus rescued me. And I love those moments. I love where we can celebrate. Look what the Lord has done. He has taken a life and save them, and their eternal destiny is changed, and they can live in freedom, and they can have purpose and destiny, all those things. And in that moment, there's joy. And what is a, just desperately awful is when, as the years go by, joy fades. And what was once, what Peter says, an inexpressible and glorious joy becomes a religious duty of church attendance or small group attendance or some kind of religious obligation and they lose the joy of their salvation. I think it happens. I think there's different ways that we uh, see joy lost. I think that um, if you were to be honest, you and I know that we're called to have joy, that it takes supernatural work of God to have joy. And we've probably heard many sermons on the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness goes up and down based upon circumstance. It's like a roller coaster that goes up and down. Joy is like, it's not affected based on external circumstance. It's an internal reality. It's not like the up and down of a roller coaster. It's just like a baby ox that just keeps plowing through good days and bad. It's on the inside. It's internal. But I think all of us... um, If we were honest, we've been around some people. We've been around environments where Jesus was claimed and Jesus was, it was authentically the desire, but joylessness has become the norm. Joylessness exists. I think one of the things that's so amazing about Radiant Church is that there is supernatural joy. Uh, In this house, there's been people that have walked through uh, the most, devastating tragedy with joy. I've seen people walk through incredible sickness with joy. I've watched as people experience financial collapse and kept joy in God. And my dream today is to just continue to just see that fire get brighter and brighter, that all of us would walk with joy. And I I think that when we're a joyful people, not necessarily because our circumstance is good, but because of the work of God in our lives. That's what makes us, according to that Acts 2, God added to their number daily. People liked what they saw, is the way the message says it. I think that's one of the most uh, attractive pieces as, Christi- as Christians in Christianity. But I think it's really challenging when people say, I'm gonna give Christianity a shot. And one of the evidences or the fruit of God at work Supernatural power, power of the Holy Spirit is joy. And they get around people that respond just like the world. And when circumstances are good, they're good. When circumstances go bad, they're bad. And there's no joy. One of the most miserable things is if we slowly become religious, but we lack supernatural joy. We slowly have a form of godliness, but no power. What's the power? Joy of God inside of us. 
And so there's a form where we're doing everything right on the outside. There's a form where we can smile big and fake it and pretend. Or there can be the fellowship with God that brings joy, that is actually life on the inside. And I'm aiming, not, I'm aiming at the conversation with us as Radiant Church following Jesus. But my bigger aim today is those people out there that don't know Jesus. My bigger aim is those people that need to see real reality of life in God, in you. And the way that people come to know Jesus, mostly, it's not mostly through the internet. It's not mostly through the radio. It's honestly, mostly through an individual relationship that they know and they see God at work inside of you and they say, I want what you have. Tell me more. I'll go to the prayer meeting you go to. I'll, I'll read the Bible you read. I'll go to the church you Just, I see God at work inside of you. And one of the biggest tragedies is when people open up and say, I'm gonna give Jesus a shot. And then what they experience is people that are controlled by circumstance, just like the culture. Renata and I, uh, we, we, we tried to uh, give my son Justice um, multiple gifts one year, but uh, we gave him a, a gift that was pretty expensive, but we wanted to kind of, I don't know if any other parents have ever done this, where you want to give him more gifts, um, but you've already spent your, all your money. So you really can only give him really one gift because you only have enough money for one really good gift, but you want him to open more than one thing. So we were trying to, so we were like, pack some gum and we, pack, and so we, you know, we wrap some Tic Tacs, Tic Tic Tacs, yeah, stuff like that. And we just find some stuff. And it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing for them, but then they get one good gift. Well, one of the things that we thought of that we thought was brilliant was Renata drew a picture of a bike. And uh, then we wrapped a picture of a bike that she drew and put it in a box with a bow and gave it to Justice. And uh, Justice opened up. He had already opened up his big gift and he opened it up and his jaw drops with excitement as he sees the bike. The problem was, um, our plan was, um, Dawson's outgrown his old bike and it's just sitting in the garage and we want to give you Dawson's old bike. So that was, you get Dawson's old bike. But what he opened was a picture of a bike and what he thought was, there's a new bike for me out in the garage. So justice went from good news to average, of course, news to actually disappointed bad news. It made it worse, right? And sometimes people, I'll give Jesus a shot, and they get to know you. They come in this house, and then we respond with anger, fear. We respond with a, 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 an absence of joy as things get hard. And they go from the gospel really is good news to like, ah, oh, I can't. And where I want us to get is that we, not perfect, I'm not talking about perfection, but I am talking about relationship with God where we can have difficult storms, challenges, and have joy in all circumstance. And that's what I dream of in this series. I dream of God doing a work inside of us to where we have supernatural joy and we're a, a radiant light in this city. I think the enemy's goal is to steal your joy. Um, Sometimes discontentment can steal your joy. Um, lack of worship, lack of gratitude. 
Instead of coming in here in Psalm 100, shout to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. It's easy to have your mind filled with the anxieties and the worries of this life. They choke you a little bit. You don't come in with joyful songs. Katie's up here saying, hey, let me tell you what the Lord has done. And you're on your phone planning something or doing something else. And over time, in your own time with God, in your small group, in your Sunday expression, you've stopped worship, joy, trust, thanksgiving, praise, joyful songs. And I think it's easy then for discontentment to get in. You become discontent and lose your joy. But that's not what I want to preach about today. Um, Hard times can steal your joy. James says it this way. Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I think I have watched people just go through so many hard times that they just stop considering it joy. They stop believing that he's a good father and that ultimately he is good and he will turn and use horrible, hard things for his good. And they just can't believe it anymore. And they, and, and, and they lose their joy. But here's the one I want to focus in on today. I think secret sin will always steal your joy. Secret sin will always steal your joy. The enemy wants to steal your joy. And one of the ways that he comes at you is he tells you to tolerate secret sin. It's impossible to have willful secret sin and the joy of the Lord at the same time. Unrepentant sin and joy can't travel together. Sin always disrupts joy. Either the sin goes or or the joy goes. But many people think, I will put one foot in the God pursuit. I will justify my greed, my hate, my bitterness my lust. I will treat it like a friend because I've gotten used to it. And I actually identify with that disobedience. And I'm not talking about the person who has said, I want to follow Jesus. I fall short, but I come back and I realign my heart. I'm talking about the person that has fundamentally decided I will keep that foot in disobedience. And they have a lukewarm existence, far from closeness with God and slowly become miserable. They're miserable in sin because they've tasted just enough of God to know that he is good. He is good. Oh, yeah. But they're miserable in, in God because they're holding on to sin, pretending like it's my joy to give my life, but it's just songs. A.W. Tozer says, Christians don't tell lies. They go to church and sing them. <laughs> It's easy to sing the song. It's hard to live the song. That's why we picked this song. There's action involved. It really means something. It's not just a song. It's my joy to give my life. So today I'm, I'm not talking about falling short, missing the mark, and with a heart that wants to follow. I'm talking about when, when you make the decision, I'm going to put a religious form out, but I'm going to put my feet down and dig in and keep this bitterness, this hate, this lust, this greed, this some form of sin, that creates joylessness. That causes you to run from God. You wanna distance yourself. 
In Genesis chapter three, after Adam and Eve sin, and God comes to walk with them in the cool of the eating, the cool of the eating, cool of the evening. It's my first summer back from vacation. Give me some little slide. The cool of the evening. And what do they do? They hide. Distance. Distance. This is what we all do. It's hard to enter into his courts with thanksgiving in my heart and praise and joy and life and draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It's hard to do those things when I am not just tolerating sin, but I've actually decided this is something I'm going to keep on the inside. I'm going to go ahead and figure out a way that I've been wronged, that um, so-and-so does it so it's okay. I'll figure out, I'll untie an intellectual knot to try to retie it in such a way that it works for me. And that, over time, caused you to not come in joy, tears, alone with God, small group, joy. Over time, it's distance. So today, I want to invite you to know that joy comes when your relationship with God is clean, unobstructed, completely honest, and real. I want to invite you today to pour out your heart to God, cast all your cares on him, and when you get that relationship where you just come before him, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a willing spirit within me. And you come before God and you get that. I want God, you can have it all. Take my whole heart. That relationship with God is where you'll find joy. And if the relationship with God is alive and good and unobstructed and clean and clear, you'll find yourself in difficult circumstance filled with joy. But if on the other hand, it's obstructed, you're holding on to secret sin, you're in physical behavior and form, acting like you should, behavior-wise, but you are tolerating secret sin, you will find yourself in even good circumstance where circumstance is fine, but distant from God and lacking the joy of the Lord in your heart. Uh, I don't know, any of you that are married uh, will understand this illustration. Um, for me, I've had moments where relationship with Renata is great and I'm on a trip and everything's fine. And I've had relationship with Renata where we got in a little tiff. That's a good word if you're a preacher, right? I can say that. If you're the preacher, you should call it a tiff, right? Getting a little tiff and then I can be on a different, and it's hard. So for example, this is a true story. There's a moment. Call Renata, hey babe, you're not gonna believe this. On this. I'm speaking at this thing and it's by the ocean and I can see the water and I'm gonna eat grilled seafood for lunch and ah, oh, circumstance is amazing. I'm only preaching one time, ha, and I'm here for a night. This is great. Only to have Renata in the moment where I didn't really communicate well. She's got a lot going on. And Renata be like, babe, I needed you here. And for me to be like, this place is miserable, right? I'm miserable. If the relationship with Renata and I came here and the circumstance is good, 
but I didn't communicate well. No, she's not sure that I should be gone. There's something going on. It's painful. Or I can, oh, I've got so far to go. I'm not sure if I gave you a, I don't know what's going on, but we, <laughs> let's give, give Kate Dimmick a big hand. I, <laughs> or I have been the opposite where I've been two weeks in Tibet where we're eating yak chili and it's, it's freezing and I'm, it's, it's, it's honestly miserable where circumstance wise, but I call Renata and she's like, babe, I love what you're doing, babe. This is so great. This is for the kingdom. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Be, you can be gone another week if you want. And I am in difficult circumstance, but the relationship is awesome. And I'm like, it's my joy to give my life, right? It's the nature of the relationship. And so you can be what, like Paul in prison and have joy. Relationship. You can, you can have everything right on paper. You can have the finances right on paper. You can have the job description right on paper. You can have the house that's right on paper. You can have the car that's right on paper. And if the relationship with God is not right, be miserable and know that it's time to put relationship with God at the top of the paper. Oh, that's the place that I find joy. So even if you get these seven other things right, but you get that one wrong, you can find yourself joyless. And I'm just telling you, I think joylessness abounds. Because I think we live in a culture where it's easy to do a lot of right religious things, but not have joy. I want to lean in on David. We'll read this text here, 2 Samuel chapter 11. David was someone who knew what it was to have joy in God. Psalm 1611, he said this, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is David. This is the way that David says, he says, you, when I'm with God, God, you're the one that brings me joy. When I'm with you in your presence, there's joy. And David knew joy, right? We see moments, David with a sheep and he's, it's a hard circumstance. It's lions and bears coming to kill him and the sheep. David grabbing the sheep, pulling it out, striking, <laughs> striking animals, and in the difficult circumstance, joy. David facing Goliath, 1 Samuel 17. You come to me with sword and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord God. I mean, who would defy the armies of the living God? And he's got in the middle of a challenging scenario, joy. You've got David in 2 Samuel 6, where they're bringing the ark of the Lord in, and he's dancing with joy. Wife rebukes, and he says, I will become even more indignified than this. What's up? Right? Like, I got joy. I'm just getting started. Life. And then you have David in the tragic story. And, and I want to just unpack just a few ways that we can lose our joy, that Satan comes to steal our joy. The enemy wants to rob you of your joy. The enemy's coming. He wants to crush the joy of God in your heart. Well, let me just read this, and I want to pull a few thoughts out of this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David, which David's a king, so this would be a moment where he should go off to war, right? That's what, that's what we should be reading right here. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. 
but David remained in Jerusalem. That's the point he wants us to get. David isn't going off to war. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. It's a strange idea there in verse two. One evening, he got up out of bed. Strange. Napping all day, probable. Walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite, which would have been two of David's fighting men. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Let me show you a few thoughts here. First of all is this, David didn't go to battle. When kings go off to war, David stayed home. One of the things, one of the ways that the enemy will try to get you out of joy is to just get you off of doing your purpose, get you out of the battle, just get you off mission. It's interesting when we read in Luke 15, there's the story about the lost coin, the lost sheep and the lost son. And at the end of all three of those parables that Jesus tells, he talks about rejoicing or joy when they are found. And the idea that Jesus is talking about is that God rejoices. God himself has joy when lost people are saved. Salvation. When there's salvation, God has joy. If you feel like, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what my mission is, get on God's agenda on helping lost people become saved people, caring about the salvation of souls, and you'll be surprised how you'll get quickly back on mission again. It is a temptation that the enemy does. Let's pull them out of the mission of God and get them into any ideology where you're just hanging out, maybe lazy, sleeping in the day, staying home from battle and not on mission, not fulfilling what God has called you to do with your part as the body of Christ. The second thing here is this phrase where David sent someone to find out about her. David entertains sin in his mind. So we know this story could have been possible for him to see look away, pull kind of the Job idea, make a covenant with my eyes. Dave could have looked away. Instead, he sends someone. He entertains the idea of sin in his mind. You and I don't just live in a culture that says, don't live for the mission of God, live for your own pleasures. We also live in a culture that says, go ahead, entertain whatever you want in your mind. As long as you don't do it, hey, just entertain. Go ahead, find out. David sends someone, there she is. I'm gonna go send a messenger. We don't send messengers now. We just open the email or click or say, I'll just go check out. Let me entertain it. Oh, it's all right for me to allow my mind to be entertained with perpetual lust, greed. It's other people doing it on Netflix. It's just, yeah. But in our minds, we entertain sin. In our minds, we'll even picture what it could look like for me to act upon something. And this last one, David sent messengers to go get her. He took an action step towards sin. It's the last one. Where does it start? I'm just, I'm just not going off to war. I'm just, just gonna do kind of the easy thing. This is so easy to do in America. 
I mean, we live in such a wealthy nation where we have such a, a great system of selling goods and services where people have such potential for high earning power and such potential to build margin and bandwidth to where they can kind of do what they want. And one of the biggest lies, the way that the enemy ensnares people is to just get them focused on self, not living on mission. And then just entertain the idea. What, what would sin look like? It's not that you're doing it yet. You're just, I'm just gonna check it out. And then finally here, David takes this step. And I think, I know this is heavy, but I think many of us would do well to go, all right, God, I'm going to be locked in on the role that I play in your kingdom. What is it that you have called me to do? And I will not tolerate, I will not set before my eyes, I won't entertain sin. James Clear, in his book, Atomic Habits, he's talking about how whatever you put in front of your eyes, if you, you just tend to engage with. If you put water and apples on the counter, you'll probably have water and apples. But if you have Coke and potato chips and Twinkies, you'll probably have those things. It's a very simple idea. It's not just Christian stuff. It's just what do you put in front of you? And then it's not long before, snap, this devastating story. Here's the way that I see so many of us. I see so many of us just going through that process, engaging in, in, in sin in some way, and then instead of coming before God and saying, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and, and bringing out Psalm 51, bringing out this David-like heart and saying, God, I don't want to live in that. I think we just tolerate it. We keep secret sin and we pretend it's not there. Just pretend. It's just, you just ignore it. But here's the good news. God is a God that forgives, washes clean. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. He forgives every time. So the enemy comes to you and says, don't confess, don't repent, because then you'll just have, it'll be like, it'll be a downer. It'll be depressing and hard and miserable. But the truth is, it's actually an upper because then you get the God of the universe washing you clean. And you get, oh God, created me a clean heart. I'm a different person. So that's why I say, go before God every day while you drive in the car. When you come here, oh God, help me to hate the things that I tolerate in me that don't look like you. I want to get just totally clean, just Cast me not away from your presence, oh God. Here's what I love. I love the relationship. I love the relationship with you more than anything. Your first place. And when I'm good with you, then I can be going through difficult circumstance, but I'm good. But if I've, if I've got this hidden sin that I'm tolerating, then the relationship has this obstruction. No, you want this relationship where you... Good days, bad days, hard circumstance, no money, lots of money. People applauding you, nobody applauding you. The clothes are right, the clothes are not right. Doesn't matter. I've got God. I could be in a Roman prison like Paul and rejoice. I could be going through hardship and rejoice. I could have joy in any circumstance. But many of us, we don't get clean. We don't come before God. We just pretend. We just tolerate. Don't do it. Get this deep in your heart. Don't. Don't, that, that moment in the next chapter where Nathan the prophet shows up 
and says to David, thou art the man. And David's response is, I have sinned against God. Get that response inside of you. Instead of, instead of a response that just pretends and hides and goes through kind of religious behavior. No, come before God. God, I confess. And, and, and go down to the microscopic things. You're like, I wouldn't, why would I? No, just God, forgive me for the way that I yelled at my teenager yesterday. God, forgive me for my insecurity. God, for, no, I want all, everything inside of me. I want it to be all yours, creating me. Just get totally clean. When you think about it, I mean, you come before God, you go into the relationship, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So I'm just going to pour out my heart to God. And when I pour out my heart to God, then he supernaturally fills me up and I can walk through trial, difficulty, hardship, pain, and I've got joy. Makes no sense. I've got joy that makes no sense. That was a real lyric, but I'll say, I've got joy that is crazy joy. It's the, to the world that looks nuts. And to the world, it does look nuts when Paul and Silas are singing in a prison cell. To the world, it does seem crazy when Paul's got joy in a prison cell. Over and over again, it looks crazy when the shepherd boy is singing songs to God up on a hill while there's bears and lions around. It seems crazy when the people of God walk with joy. But it's driven by a relationship. And you get that relationship on, uh, percolating on the inside, and it's everything. On our vacation, uh, we rode bicycles and I got like the bike grease all over my leg. And uh, I took a shower, didn't come off. I don't care. I just wearing shorts, walking around the next day with that grease all over my leg. And Renata's like, why didn't you get the grease off your leg? And I'm like, nah, I don't care. And she's like, isn't the purpose of a shower to get clean? I'm like, I mean, I'm mostly clean. I don't know. She's like, no, it's, you, you, should, you, should, you should get all the way. Like, get, get, it, get even the grease off. And I'm just telling you guys, do what Renata says. It's easy to go, ah, this is, I'm, I'm mostly good. No, come before him. You're the most important relationship in my life. God, I'm coming to you. I'm not going to tolerate the things that grieve your heart, the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in step with the Holy Spirit, where you desire to not grieve the Holy Spirit, where you live supernaturally in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then you have joy that makes no sense. You have joy that's supernatural. And the acts to gladness of heart, rejoicing, joy, people of God, the people around go, what is with them? They've got joy in trials. They've got joy in sickness. They've got joy when the finances aren't there. They've got joy. My prayer for us is real simple. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The salvation that you give. What Peter says is an inexpressible and glorious joy. So more than just the salvation moment from the prayer that you prayed when you were nine, or 21. No, today is a new day. Your mercy is new every morning. And I come before you today and I am not the old man. I'm the new man. I am not on the broad, broad road that leads to destruction. I'm on the narrow way and you saved me and you rescued me, not because I'm good, but because you're good. And the goodness of God is the story of my life and you've redeemed me. And so there's joy every morning because of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.
I want to invite you to take a moment with God. And would you find that one area in your life that the Holy Spirit was tugging at your heart this morning? Where you just know, I know that I've got this area of lying, exaggeration, hate, lust, perpetual fear of finances. I refuse to trust God with my finances. Slander. Disobedience to my parents. Bad attitudes. Just let the Holy Spirit highlight one area. And that for you right now is an obstruction. It's just, you just want to come before God today get totally clean. Would you just say this to the Lord? Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Father, we come before you today and I ask that the joy of the Lord would fill this house. We pray that we would not walk with a behavior of religious duty and the absence of supernatural joy. We pray that the life of God, the spirit of God, the joy of God would abound. Mark each one, every man, every woman, every teenager, every child. Touch us. Come, Holy Spirit of God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. You saved me. You rescued me. You put my feet upon a rock. And I'm the fellowship of the baptized, the fellowship of the redeemed. Joy that makes no sense. If you're online or in the room today and you would like Jesus to save you, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's a gift, is eternal life. Today, if you want to receive that gift of salvation from Jesus, would you say this prayer to him? Jesus, I repent. I don't want to go my way. I want to go yours. Save me. Make me a new person. Give me new life. Make me a part of your family. I give you my life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Raiden, can we give a big hand for everybody that prayed that prayer today? If you did pray that prayer today, you can look around. There's people around you. We want to go on that journey with you. We'd love to resource you. The best thing you could do is maybe come forward and tell somebody that you made that decision uh, in the prayer line. Uh, Or you can let us know if you want to on that connection card or the website. 
We will help you on your journey, resource you, connect you. It's the best decision that you could ever make. I wanna invite our ushers to come forward. We're gonna take a moment and uh, prayer of our offering and give. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful. We love being your people. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for the joyful church that you're creating. You are at work in this body, in Colorado Springs, California, in Europe, in Australia, around the world. Jesus, you're at work. And Father, we say, have all of us. Take what we give. Use it. Multiply it. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, you would help us to see our city prayed for and served. See the next generation of young people where there's an agenda for their hearts. Oh God, let the kingdom agenda, the God of the universe, save their souls. Every teenager, every child entering into our schools. Oh God, we ask for our kids. Oh God, we ask, Lord Jesus, you would use us to take the gospel around the world. Languages where they still don't have the Bible. We pray, Lord God, use us to resource that. God, use us to take teams around the world. God, use us to take the gospel home to home. Oh God, plant churches around the world. God, we need you. We, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. We honor you. We give cheerfully and joyfully in Jesus.